Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 2.19 p.m. Eastern on November 20th in the year of our Lord, 2022. It's a Sunday afternoon here in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Um, we're headed into a, a wonderful Thanksgiving week. I'm, As you can imagine, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that I, if, if one word describes me, it's gratitude. So, boy, am I thankful this week. Um, lots to go through for you this week. I may just throw this up uh, Sunday. I may give you a little, a little Sunday treat. How about that? I got a Sunday treat after, well, I woke up at 4.15 this morning and decided to watch two episodes of Evil on Paramount+. Plus. I'm, I'm digging the show. It's got enough potential in knowing that the critics have given it increasingly high marks from seasons one through three. I like I like where it's headed. So... Did that, had a cup of coffee, read some newspaper, went to 8.30 Mass, and then made my way over with my Jim Thorpe biography to the Starbucks to have a green tea. That's right, we went green tea, not during the podcast today, but pre-podcast. Sat down, started reading, and a kind man from Nigeria said, are you J.L. Covan? But his accent, I couldn't peg his accent, so I was like, are you a Haitian cousin of mine? And he introduced himself, and uh, turns out he was a big fan of my videos and wanted a selfie to show his kids. And uh, that was that's a great way to start the Sunday. You know, I give unto the Lord, and then the Lord giveth to me in the form of serotonin-boosting praise from a fan at Starbucks, which really made up for the fact that I had to wait 11 minutes for my snowman cookie. Because they have this system they've developed now at Starbucks, because everything... Mobile order is God, okay? I still worship at the altar of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but to a lot of people, mobile order is now God. And you go into a Starbucks, and now they have this system where if it's like anything you order from the bakery, it's like, hi, I'd like a, uh, uh, you know, a croissant not warmed up. That's a, that's a 10-second job right there. Well, what they do now, because mobile is so, is like, in an, like it was hilarious. I, I wanted to take a picture of it because... Basically, the Starbucks, there were like six people in the Starbucks. There were at least 19 mobile orders waiting to be picked up. And there was, a, I kid you not, a glass of water in the in-store section. So in-store, it's it's a reversal of Leo Getz from Lethal Weapon 2. They fuck you in the drive-thru. Well, now they fuck you if you're not driving or, or, or doing a drive-by pickup. If you're just a customer who wants to enjoy a hot beverage... You know, usually more of a simple variety, a coffee, a tea, not a a a cum dump milkshake posing as a caffeinated beverage. Um, you are not you are not treated with the same respect. And I get it; it's a business, and they obviously I trust that Starbucks knows how to run their business. I'm just saying the experience is becoming. Um, it makes me want to open up my own coffee shop and call it Coffee. And you go in and. You know, it might it might be MAGA adjacent, unfortunately, because it would be so old school. But I'd be like, I have Greek diner coffee cups. They're blue and white. And you can order your coffee with, um, yes, we will have a non-dairy option because we're not total monsters. But it's basically, yeah, if you, you're allowed two things. You're allowed to say two things after your coffee. You can say light and sweet. You can, you can say black. And then you can say black and sweet. In other words... You don't get to have nine instructions because I've said on Twitter repeatedly, I say, 
if you have more than two instructions for your coffee, you don't like coffee, you like giving instructions. And, <laughs> um, but now you go into a Starbucks and it's like, I have to wait until she has corralled, you know, there's so many mobile orders coming in and I'm not blaming the individual employee, though another employee kind of saw this tall man like just pacing and stewing. That was me, I was the tall man stewing. And said, uh, are you waiting on a beverage? And I said, no, just a snowman cookie. And then she kind of on the doubled it because I think she she maybe maybe looked at me and thought this guy has coffee shop shooter vibes. You know, I'm wearing flannel. I look angry. It's getting into the pale months for me. So, you know, and she was a, a young black woman who probably had her, you know, I just came back from Michigan. So maybe I caught a little of that militia vibe. But she was she was playing it safe and got me the and And also... There's probably something creepy about a giant man ordering a snowman cookie. That's actually probably, instead of making me look softer or more genteel, it probably makes me look more like a psycho, like, oh my God, he has mother issues. That's why he still eats frosted snowman cookies at 43. Oh my God, we're all going to die. So she got me my snowman cookie quickly. But, you know, what happens is you order something very simple and two things happen, actually, because now they do the, the receipt comes out like to the cafe portion of the Starbucks. Now, if I have an enterprising cashier who will say, oh, you don't want your chocolate chip cookie heated, I'll just grab it for you. So they'll grab it. They won't grab the sticker. And then literally 15 minutes later, J.I., Jill, chocolate chip cookie. And I'm like, oh, I already got mine. And I kid you not. They'll go, do you want this one? And I go, well, I do, but I don't want to eat two cookies. I'm already a fucking diabetic in training and then they will just throw it in the garbage a brand new warmed cookie they'll just throw in the garbage it reminds me of when jane krakowski dumps an unopened fiji bottle in the uh, pilot episode of uh, unbreakable kimmy schmidt so you're left with these two choices so now i'll just be like i guess i'll just wait patiently but the cafe now does the mobile orders never stop coming so i'm gonna pile up 14 bagels and sandwiches and things and oh in that group is the cookie that would have taken eight seconds to to hand to the customer so i end up sitting there waiting 15 minutes for a for an unwarm cookie for just a regular and it's just it's so you got to do better starbucks okay i i applaud the fact that you sent you know you send some of your workers to arizona state which i hear is almost a college and that's that's very nice of you and 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 you do health benefits and um, anything to stop a union, which I always find funny. It's like, I will say the CEO of Starbucks, I will pay you a million dollars and suck each of your dicks or finger you. Um, just don't join a union. Really? A union will just get us like a dollar. Did you hear what I said? I will, I will let you fuck my wife and I will give you my fortune. Just don't form a union. Sir, all, all we want is bathroom breaks and 50 cents extra an hour. Okay, you're driving a harbor. I will let you impregnate my daughter, okay? I, in fact, I will let you watch Nick Cannon impregnate my daughter. I will give you my fortune and my daughter's inheritance, and I will rob a bank and give all of you the proceeds and then shoot me myself in the head so that there, I can't testify against you. Just don't form a union. Um, all we want is a more consistent schedule. Okay, you drive a hard bargain. I will literally murder whoever you want and give you a billion dollars if you just agree not to form a union. Um, 
okay, I, I guess we won't form a union. You seem pretty almost absurdly against a union. So I guess I'll take your final offer. Could you kill my ex and then make the billion dollar check out to um, Sarah Cooper? No, guys, I'm just kidding. That was just a throwback line because Trump's running again. So I thought let's let's get back to 2020 when jail officially lost his mind. But I got a lot of good stuff to talk with you about today, guys. But first and foremost, come on. Anybody there going to be in the Syracuse area on Wednesday? I don't think we're going to be buried under 90 feet of snow like Buffalo. Come on out to the Syracuse Funny Bone. It's me and Pete Dominic. Um, 7.30 p.m., Syracuse Funny Bone. It will be an outstanding, outstanding show. A great way to enter the Thanksgiving weekend with some, with some comedy. Bring out your friends. I have no. I hope somebody here lives near Syracuse. I feel like I have enough listeners that maybe a couple of people are, but I hope to see you there if you are. Um, and then after that in December, I'm in Mamaroneck. That's for all my north of the city people who bought houses. I better see some of you at that show. Um, and then in January, we get uh, Long Island uh, at the brokerage. Those will be fun shows Friday and Saturday, January 6th and 7th. And Jay Nog of Making Podcast Great Again. You might have heard of that podcast. He'll be opening for me. And then I'm in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Improv, January 19th. I'm trying to string some other gigs together, but that is becoming very difficult. I think there will be a Boston gig in March at City Winery. So that's something to look forward to if you're one of my Boston people. Appreciate you. Um, Okay, so now let's get to the uh, nitty-gritty. Lots to discuss. Um, Went to my nephew's soccer game. We'll talk about that. I saw the menu. Loved that movie. We'll talk about that. The special, guys. Let's talk about the special. So I got the third edit. I got the third edit Friday, and I watched it just before starting this podcast. And... I'm starting to like not want to watch it because I'm going, I think it is too long. But I think that's because I know every fucking inch of the special. It's right now 72 minutes. So the, the Covan cut has been reinstated. Okay. Is it as good as the October 2021 cut? Nothing on earth. There has never been comedy as good as that October 20, 2021 show. But this is very good. I enjoy it. Um, I think it drags for me more because I now have seen this special like six times and I think for fresh eyes, it's going to be a fucking home run. There's just one edit. I was hoping that I could sign off on it today because then we get going on contract graphics, etc. Like then, then it accelerates. Then the business part finally kicks in and maybe we get it pitched and sold or a plan before the calendar turns over. But uh, as of now, there is one edit that's very choppy. And the problem is, and here's the funny thing the guy told me, you won't believe this, but actually one of the cameras on the second shoot is unusable. So that's why it's been a two cam. That's why it's a two camera product, like two, two camera final edit, because the, the, the third camera, some might call it the main camera, didn't work or, or worked and was unusable footage. It just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't for whatever reason, it was not good enough or usable. So um, you wouldn't have think, you wouldn't have thought that would happen on the second one, but that's causing some editing problems because now the person has to sort of, I, I change hands. It's only one show. We don't have two shows to, to work off of. And I switch hands with the microphone. There's a key edit where I like am drinking my water 
and that causes some problems because you can go with like a ridiculously inconsistent cut or you can kind of have a jumpy cut. So I literally just had to send them. I was hoping to just say, it's all good, let's do it, but I just need to see if they can do anything with this one cut, this one edit towards the end of the show. It's about <clears throat> nine minutes left in the show and they may not be able to fix the, the edit, but then if they can't do that, if that's the best visual we can get, then they just need to hopefully adjust the audio so it doesn't sound as jumpy as it looks. Um, but that's what we're down to. We're down to one edit. Um, one of my lines, I, I'm willing to sacrifice it because this is the area of the thing, but I just to share with you guys one of my favorite lines in it that may not make the cut is just when I said, I'm tired of people warning me about the woke mob. I said, I, I remember people complaining about the woke mob while a mob was attacking the Capitol. I mean, what do you say to Mitt Romney when he's running away? It's like, don't worry, Mitt. I assure you, this mob is not woke. <laughs> and I, I, I enjoyed that line. But there, you guys get it. As podcast listeners, you can enjoy that line because I don't think it's making to the final special. But it's a, re it's, it's a rich, it is a rich, chock full... Um, it really is. It's 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 a it's a really chock full sort of special, um, uh, and I'm 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 almost dare I say I'm almost proud of it. If this were Proud's Giving instead of Thanksgiving, I would be saying I'm very proud of my special. But it's Thanksgiving, so I'm thankful for you guys listening, um, and I'd be especially thankful if on Half Black Friday all of you join my Patreon, even for a month. How about that as a show of solidarity? Go binge all the content. Can't, um, or don't, but there for half black Friday, join, join my, uh, JL max plus prime Patreon. And, uh, you can watch all the, uh, hidden videos that everybody said looked awesome and then didn't sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> that was my favorite thing where I got like 7,000 views and like a hundred comments on the trailer for Mitch McConnell cooking. And they were like, you should make this. And I was like, I did make it that you. If you watched second 26 of the video, you'd see clearly that I have made it. Um, but yeah, or don't. It's okay. But it is a lot of good stuff uh, there, and I got bills to pay. So uh, besides that, because I've decided that all my money should go into a retirement savings that I will probably not live long enough to see. But if you like the righteous girlfriend or cookie, maybe. Think of it, think of it not as money going to me, but money they'll inherit when, you know, I go out at 48 of lip sync induced diabetic shock. <laughs> um, is that a medical term? I don't know. So I guess that's not horrible news on the special, but it was it was interesting to finally talk to the editor and just have it be like, since you only had two cameras on this one, uh, that's funny, I thought we had three. And I was like, yeah, but one, I, I knew that. It was like a harsh reminder of the fact that one of the main cameras, so we we, we didn't actually ever have a clean shoot for either of my tapings, which is which is which is pretty stunning and depressing. But we're one edit away. We are literally one fix, if possible, just one technical fix. It's not even a content fix um, to see if we can get this bad boy just finished at the beginning of December, sign a contract, and then let some platform make it a Merry Christmas for me when you know. Jizz stain, you know, the Jizz stain app has decided to fork over $800 for the rights to half blackface. 
we have over 1,100 uh, non-paying subscribers each month. So we're going to get eyeballs on this, JL. <laughs> so there, special Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for, guys? I know what I'm thankful for. My fucking talent. Um, I did the shows coming up. So the only thing left to talk about for you guys is uh, a little movie called The Menu. Okay. Tonight, I'm going to watch the movie about the like Chilean miners. So we're getting Peruvian chicken. It's the best I can do. There's no place selling Chilean sea bass. So I was like, Peruvian chicken, close enough. Let's go watch that Ron Howard minor movie. Minor as in the profession, not minors as in kids in Chile or wherever the fuck they are. I think it's Chile. Chile? Chillax. How about that? Um, but then I did get some 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 news that validated my hostility to the comedy business, but it's not good news, but it's I'm going to deliver it in upbeat righteousness, not depressing defeatism. But I had emailed the uh, DC Improv, uh, the club that I have the longest relationship with because it was the first comedy club I ever set on stage when I uh, did two competitions there during my third year of law school. It's the first club that ever paid me when I hosted uh, for Gary Owen in August of 2004. And I've worked there uh, various times. Uh, those, when If you listen to the two albums by Patrice O'Neill, Mr. P and Unreleased, those were the two different times I opened for Patrice O'Neill, and you can hear my voice introing him on both of those albums, and those were both at the DC Improv before his passing, JL Jinx, Undefeated. And um, I've just worked there a lot in every capacity, and I headlined there in the lounge uh, for, for four nights um, in December 2021. It was wonderful, great, loved it. Um, and so I've been trying to get back there. Now, I'm trying to do the impossible, which is what I did last year when I was able to actually, just with no agent and just a lot of luck and requests, I was able to string together like a series of dates between December and February that just led me around the country to clubs that I either performed at or wanted to perform at. I got to meet a lot of the fans from, from you know, from D.C. to, to L.A. And, and many places in between. And it was it was sort of no no short of a miracle because I don't have an agent who has the clout or the book to just be like I'm stringing you these dates. Now, what I what I am looking to do is uh, April, March 31st and April 1st. It will definitely be April 1st, possibly two shows on April 1st. But if not two shows on April 1st, it will be one show on April 1st, one show on March 31st at the Triad for my eighth hour. Uh, so mark your calendar if you're ever looking to. If you if stay in the city, stay in the tri-state area that weekend, and uh, if you've ever planned a trip to New York, that'd be a great weekend to plan one. But because, uh, like I like I said on social media, you uh, you definitely want to be there because if if past is prologue, then the show's going to be amazing and it'll never come out. So you definitely want to be in the live audience for that if you can be. Um, but I'm trying to string together a bunch of gigs for, for January, February, and March, and I'm having a lot of difficulty with that. Boston said they will book me in March. Will they get back to me with dates? Um, in Pittsburgh, I'm trying to get to get an Ohio date, like for the weekend after. Like like I go to Pittsburgh on a Thursday, so I'm trying to get like an Ohio weekend somewhere. Just at an independent gig or a third-tier club, uh, none are replying to me. So that's, you know, par for the course, but never, never... It never gets old. The disappointment and bitterness never quite get old in this business. You, you, you always, 
you just always have that kernel of optimism that they snuff out through either ignoring you or rejecting you. No matter what your career is, no matter how good you are, it's, it's fun. But not having an agent uh, bit me in the ass with the DC Improv of all places because I was saying, okay, I think I'm going to be at Chicago Winery in the beginning of February. Chicago City Winery in the beginning of February. It's a large venue. I may have to recruit uh, like a Chicago area comic to co-headline with me to see if, you know, my hundred people and their hundred people, then you get, you're talking a big fucking nice show. But um, I'd love to be in a position to be like, no, all my people are going to come out to fucking Chicago City Winery. I'm going to fucking sell 200 tickets, make fucking 3,500 bucks in one night, and I'm going to conquer the city of Chicago. But, you know. If I get 100, I would consider that a victory. I wish I didn't, but I, that, you know, if I got 100, I'd be like, thank you, everybody, we did it. And, but then if that's all I can muster, then I need like a co-headliner with me. So I'm going to investigate that. In the, but, 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 but if you're a Chicago person, um, between somewhere, sometime between January 31st and February 7th, expect me out in your uh, city. So don't go anywhere. Hopefully you get snowed in and have to stay. But, um, but so I was like looking at the DC Improv to be like, oh, maybe I could do the weekend before. And then I take the, my, my favorite train, the Capital Limited, with Carlos. Um, he was my train attendant both ways uh, last year from, from DC to Chicago. And then when I got back on the train in Chicago a couple of weeks later, he was, he was my train car attendant again. And he gives this very flat. I may post this to the Patreon just because I enjoy it. It's like a five minute. It just sounds like a man who enjoys his job. Um, he gives like a five minute loudspeaker talk. Like I, when you're getting into your little, little roomette and getting all cozy and, and putting your bag away and put, kicking your feet up, waiting for your dinner. He just gives this long five minute. Hello, Amler train. Kind of like a, like if, if, if Andrew Cuomo were, were, were Mexican. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. My name is Carlos. He rolls the L to get the R, excuse me, to give you that, you know, authentic old world feel. And he just goes, I will be your train attendant from Chicago all the way to uh, Washington, Washington, D.C. with stops in. And my favorite one is when he says, we will have a smoke break in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that led me to write the joke of uh, if a Latin guy ever tells you he's HIV positive, just assume it's the worst. <laughs> Because you may be going, oh, what's HIB? And it's like, no, it's what you think it is. Um, I am going on vacation. That's uh, that was my, my that was one of the early things I noticed with all the Latin like uh, workers in my building growing up. That V was B, and B was V. Not as much V as B. Like uh, a banana was still a banana. It wasn't a banana. But man, when you were taking vacation, you were taking vacation. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but I may post that. I may post that selfie video to, to to Patreon just just so you can see how like I was just like, oh yeah, he he sets the mood right. You just feel like, man, my train attendant I think likes this trip even more than me. Um, but he just teases. I will be bringing you your meals if you prepare, or I can take you to this the dining car. It is up to you. Um, but uh, so my goal was to be like, oh, if I get a city winery gig, what if I just boom. DC Improv Lounge weekend right before then. So I mean, like this is this is like being your own agent, but you know, an agent would be able to string me like around the country. And this is the harsh lesson I learned because I'm always talking up the clout and power of agents, but I learned it firsthand. So I singled out that weekend and asked the uh, the booker, 
at DC. And he got back to me, and he had just said to me that um, those dates were on hold with a very powerful agency. He didn't write that. He just told me what the, who it was with. But it was the first time I actually learned how this business works all this time because I am out of the loop. I have never had an agent, so I don't know how that works. But it always seemed kind of interesting, like, wow, agents can just get you work. Well, as it seems, agents can just reserve, I guess, blocks, like dates at clubs and just fill in their people. So obviously we're talking the lounge. We're talking the DC Improv lounge. We're not talking the main room. The main room is 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 for closers only. But you know, you gotta have a big fan base, a big agent, and a, a big track record usually to get in the big room. I'm trying to get the small room, which is a good gig. You know? It's it's as good a gig, it's as good a regular gig as I can get in comedy. And I am I am I am not ashamed of that. It's it's a nice, you know, hotel. Easy to get to. You get a hotel during your stay and you get a good payday and you, you have five five or six audiences to try and sell merch to. So it's a you know, it's it's a gig that can really net you something pretty pretty substantial for a you know, a low level or mid headliner. But he said that it was reserved. Now they don't have anybody in that date. That's why I asked about it because I looked on the calendar and I was like, Oh, there's nobody in there. Well, um, Obviously, somebody will get that at some point. Some agent will just ask their clients. And that's to me, that's the irony of this. So an agent is going to like hog this spot and probably give it to somebody. Like now I'm going to look to see who gets that weekend because I'm going to be like, oh, okay. So that's the caliber. That's the caliber of people that, that agents can force into clubs. Um it's just a curiosity to me, but it's 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 very disheartening because it's like I, I have I have no longer relationship in comedy than with the DC Improv. I'm not a local guy. I started there, but I'm not like one of their stable of guys who's just always around because I'm not a DC comic. I just started there, but I, I have worked there double digit times. I know a lot of people who work there. I always have a good time there. And it was just one of those things where you're like, wow, it, it, it is like it is like being a second class comedian. Um, without an agent because it's like they don't even have somebody and I'm not mad at the DC Improv this is the way the business works like those agents have leverage like it, this is a huge agency so like you know I guarantee you they rep a quarter of the main room headliners or, or a fifth of the main room headliners so it's like you can't fuck with that relationship but it's like it's disheartening because it's like, but I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to take that and I can sell some, I'll sell tickets there. It's one of the few cities that I sell well in. And even that, all those factors, you got to hold it open for 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 the agents get get the say-so. They have the power. And it, it's, 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 it, was, it, was, it was just frustrating because I was like, wow, that's what's stopping me from kind of like being able to start like a cross-country trip in D.C. is like some agent's just going to like, force the gig on his like third tier client like hey nobody's booking will you take this you broke yet do you need money you want to take this uh decent gig for that i'm able to like because to me if you need a powerful agency to leverage you the lounge at the dc improv maybe you you aren't that great just saying i could be wrong because there are now a range of acts but it's probably going to be some tiktoker that they want to like get out and start working the road with it wouldn't surprise me if it ended if that weekend it could be hey i could be wrong because like i said the lounge is getting a good range of people 
but it could be somebody of my level. It could be somebody like above my level, but it could also be like some, you know him from his fart videos on TikTok, special event, force fed to the club by his power agent. It's Johnny Fuckface. <laughs> oh my God, I love your, I love your videos, bro. Oh yeah, can you fart in my face? Can I get a selfie of you farting in my face, man? I'm making this person up, obviously. But it was just, it was just such a like, uh, this is not working out the way a year ago worked out when I just late like got all these gigs. I'm just not getting replies from from different clubs and stuff, and the replies I'm getting are are disheartening. So once again, come on special. <laughs> um, so that's what's going on in the world of comedy. Um, the usual, the usual sort of. But that was like an that was like disheartening, but educational. At least it wasn't just disheartening and let me go kill myself. It was like, oh, now I know a be- I, I know even more how how important an agent is. An agent can create a career, not just not just uh, manage superstars, but they can like force people into clubs um, where there's no demand. But but I could be wrong. It could be somebody good who's just weighing different offers. But um, you know it. I'll be back there, I'm sure, uh, some weekend, but it would have just been nice. Maybe March. Maybe I'll try to see if they can get me in in March so I'm like A-plus prepared for uh, the eighth hour that I tape. So just two other things. I went to my nephew's soccer game this weekend. Took him to Yonkers. Um, it was fucking cold. Um during halftime, I just walked into the men's bathroom and texted for 15 minutes, warming up, which doesn't look creepy at all. Who's the giant guy just standing in the corner? Is he jerking off in the corner? Oh, no, he's texting. Weird. Um, it was cold, but his team won 3-2. to two. He played He played a good game on defense, and uh, he's also their, their left-footed uh, corner kick specialist. It's very funny to just see my skinny little 15-year-old nephew just booming kicks. Um but uh, but he's at this he's he's at the point with soccer it feels like where where I was at with comedy a few years ago where it's like I like doing it but I don't know like because it's like I think he wants to play for his school team which would be more fun but the club teams are more elite and more of a must have if you want to be like sort of looked at for it, it's it's a it's an it's a clearer path to getting looked at for, for college programs. It's obviously if you stand out on a good high school team, like you'll, you'll be seen as well. But the, the club programs are sort of the kind of like going to a comedy club with an agent. That's what the club teams are like. And so I went to the game. It was in uh, Yonkers. It was a good game. It was actually probably my, my, my most enjoyable experience watching soccer, despite the weather. Because, uh, well, first off, I had 90 minutes to kill and no car like everybody else who drives. I just got a lift to Cross County Shopping Center, which used to be my old haunt as a, as a young child. That's where we'd go shopping. They used to have a gimbals there, throwback Thursday. Um, but it was good to see that it was actually still kind of a thriving mall. There's obviously a lot of different stores than there were the last time I was there 20 years ago. But it was just nice to see that it was still thriving. So I went to a Shake Shack kept warm with some trans fats and some heating, then went back to the field, watched the game. My toes felt like they were freezing, uh, about to fall off, but they got the W. But one thing I noticed, and this is why you listen to me recap 
youth soccer. Although I don't consider it youth anymore. He's a high school sophomore, so it's high school level soccer. Youth to me is under ninth grade or under eighth grade. Um, that's just a distinction I made up. That's not a real distinction. Um, but I have a problem, and I might turn this into a bit. But you guys, just like the states are laboratories for democracy, podcast audiences are la- are laboratories for, for writing. Um, I think soccer players, are, American soccer players, are starting to think they're too cool for school. And this is why football is important. Uh, I didn't play football. I find a lot of football reprehensible. I find many football players reprehensible. I think what it does to the body and the brain is dangerous. But just like a school that eliminates its its bullies and allows the nerd population to start to dominate the culture, the, the the slow diminishment of football, both for good and not good reasons, is starting to make soccer players, you know, soccer's kind of having their moment. Soccer players are kind of like the 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 nerdy girl who who like her bra grew a few sizes over the summer and now all of a sudden is walking like sh- her shit don't stink or or like the dude who had a growth spurt uh or who you know got molested over the summer and now thinks he's king shit. Uh <laughs> They just have this swagger that I'm like, eh, this is where this, this is not fucking Italy, dude. Okay, this is not Argentina. It's America. Understand that, like a comedian without an agent, soccer is a second tier, lower caste sport. I don't care how popular it's getting, okay, because parents think it's a ticket into college, or because you know quads are now in. It's, 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 stop it. Like I see the soccer players interacting. I'm like, this is how they act when they're in a football free environment. Just like, what's up? Oh, bro. like uh, you guys aren't, you know how soccer players acted 20 years ago? Oh, hey, hey guys. Hey, what's up? Hi. All right. Yeah, we play soccer. We're not, um, the beautiful game, right? Yeah, no, nobody cares in this country. It was like humbling to be a soccer player. Sure, the occasional douche had those like little Adidas soccer shoes and thought they were cool. But for the most part, it was just like, oh, you play oh, soccer's all right. Soccer was the Pepsi of fall sports. Even though I like Pepsi, I'm borrowing the Gary Gallman joke. Uh, do you guys have football? Mm, we have soccer. Is soccer okay? <laughs> so I feel like the natural, even though football, there's so much wrong with it. Um, I feel that their top of the food chain status in high school fall sports and really in terms of just high school sports in general is still needed because I can't have these these soccer youth walking around with with big soccer energy. Okay, stop it. It's a good sport. Hey, we're getting better at it as a country. But no, in one generation, you don't get to walk around. A soccer player shall never be big man on campus, okay? That's in the Bible, and you got to get with it. So no, stop with the big man on campus energy and the dapping up and the always. And, and they get all the gear, the club soccer teams, they get all the gear. They get, so, they, so it's, they're, 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 their egos are being boosted up so high. And this is why in the World Cup, I'm rooting for the USA, but I'm also rooting for the USA to get fucked up. Just to be like, you stop. 
fetch is not going to happen. Um, but, you know, soccer is stepping into a void. You know, the more brain dead um, murderers football creates, the more exploitation, uh, the more racist Southern coaches say, I don't want you to pay my players. I, I raise good boys and I teach them right. And it takes away my power. If you pay these niggers, I, I no, excuse me, I didn't say no slur. You got to listen back to what I just said. If you paid them, they ain't going to listen because they notorious for being undisciplined with their money and their activities. So that's, I mean, and I'm exaggerating turning SEC football coaches into foghorn leghorn, but that's exactly who they are. Come on, Tommy Tuberville. Like, I'm not making this up. The SEC. If, if I ever Nick Cannon this world with a bunch of athletes, they will be, uh, they will be cut out of child support if any of them or, or any, any will or inheritance of my comedy albums um, if they go to an SEC school. Because that is the conference of the, I don't think we should pay the players. They're very, it's, the, it's the most MAGA, Christian, selfish, racist group of people, in my humble opinion. But uh, not all coaches. Hashtag not all coaches but hashtag most football coaches. Um, but yeah, I just don't need the, uh, I don't need the, 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 the energy, the, the, the swagger from soccer players. Know your role and shut your mouth. Like it always bothered me when I saw swimmers having too much swagger in college. I was like, no, no, I respect you as athletes and stuff, but no, get out of here. Get no, no, stop it. You're not Michael Phelps. Now I know I'm not Kobe Bryant, but you're not Michael Phelps. <laughs> And even if Michael Phelps were here, I'd be like, uh, basketball players are playing, sir. Go go play your water sports away from us. Um, no, Michael Phelps gets a pass, okay? One of the greatest Olympians of all time, if not the greatest. He gets a pass. But you, any athletes listening to this, you know, there's a pecking order. I'm sorry. There's a pecking order. Like, like in spring, I don't really think it's baseball. It can be baseball, but I think like whoever like is the fastest dude on the track team is kind of BMOC spring edition. In winter, it's basketball. Even though you got to respect, you know, wrestlers individually, because um, they'll they'll try to kill you if you don't. Um, and and it's football in the in the, in the fall. Get out of here with so- like it's too much. There's too much soccer swagger. Okay, it's it's got to be toned down. That's all I'm saying. Just know that you are, you are you are at best Scottie Pippen. Okay, and. Even though I don't think soccer players deserve Larsa Pippen, they do need a reality check that it's Michael Jordan's team, it's football's team, and you're just you're just you're just occupying that that parental safe space that doesn't want their kids getting brain damage. Okay, can't wokeness not wanting your kids to get brain damage is wokeness, and soccer is benefiting from it. But it's a good thing. Fewer brain damaged people, fewer crippled people is always a, a good thing. Not that I don't respect the disabled community. I want to be clear on that. I'm just saying all things equal. If you cannot get paralyzed playing a sport, I think that's good. Even if it does lead to an empowering story. I think all things considered, we, we all love empowering documentaries and movies. But if you could stop people from being paralyzed at all during football games, I think we'd take that option. Um, but soccer, just know your role. And I'm, I can't, I can't watch these kids anymore. Just kind of, kind of just, just you, you get to hang out in your little, your little Dungeons and Dragons soccer community and you think that's the world. Well, there's big people out there 
who use their hands in their sports and in their lives. And your glorified hacky sack game doesn't entitle you to big man on campus energy. That's all I'm saying. Okay, on to the next topic. Final thing, review the menu. Saw it, loved it. Um, Loved the fact that when I left the theater, it's a satire. It's a dark satire of foodie culture. Um, I thought the acting was fantastic. I thought the script was fantastic. I loved just about every minute of this movie. And if you're a listener of this podcast, you understand that I have taken s'mores to task. Okay, I consider s'mores one of the worst foods. Here's how I explained it to my nephew when we were going to the soccer game. He didn't like my s'mores take. And I said, here's the thing, nephew. There's three ingredients in a s'mores. Chocolate bar, graham cracker, marshmallow. If you include the completed s'mores on a list of items with those three ingredients, here's how I'd rank the ingredients. Chocolate bar one, graham cracker two, the completed s'mores three, and the marshmallow four. Why would I take... So, so you are literally, by, by making a s'mores, you are dragging two of the ingredients down the rankings. Why would I do that? Why wouldn't I just have a glass of milk and some graham crackers? Or if I'm looking for a chocolate treat, a chocolate bar. The s'more, like, and Rafe Fines delivers what can, what, the phrase I felt seen is overused a lot, but let me tell you something. When Rafe Fines, also, as I like to call him, Ralph Fiennes, when he described s'mores, and I may go see the movie again. It's my wasabi forever is what I'm saying. It is, it is my Black Panther 2. I may see this again, not because I want to watch the entire movie again. Although, by the way, Nicholas Holt, somebody get this man an Emmy or an Oscar at some point. He should have won an Emmy for the season one of The Great on Hulu. Uh, tremendous actor, started as a kid actor and about a boy. He was in the X-Men move, some of the X-Men movies, like the first generation X-Men movies. And then... Um, just a just a real a real a real quality uh quality talent and he's great in this but when Ralph Fiennes aka Ray Fiennes delivers his chat near the end of the movie on s'mores i felt seen i felt represented i felt that somebody had heard me um it was in, it was beautiful it was a it was beautiful to see someone Maybe go even harder than I do on s'mores, and I go hard. Um, it's it's one of the worst. A s'mores is is like, I mean, as a kid, as a fucking kid, I was always like, I went. I, I'm not shitting you. I was at camp at some point, either as like a ten year old or at like a high school like retreat kind of thing, and I remember just going, "Can I just have a chocolate bar?" <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to ruin good desserts with burnt marshmallow. Who the fuck invented this? And the menu for me was was probably I'd give it like an A minus. Just because an A has to be like, not only do I like this movie, but it's like just perfection. But the, but it's a it's a strong A minus for me. Um, I really liked it. I found the satire very, uh, very biting and very enjoyable. And. You know, literally like like an ice cream sundae, the cherry on top was that s'mores rant. And I just want to see the movie again just so I can sort of transcribe that and put part of it 
on a t-shirt. Um, he described, I forget if he said it's like the worst embodiment uh, or the worst concoction in, in food that we've bastardized in food. I don't even remember. He said something about like we've convinced ourselves that it's good or some line like that. And I was like, you know, okay, I, yes, I was jerking off during that scene. Okay, that's how much I enjoyed the, the rant on on s'mores. But I really like the movie. It's been it seems to have been dividing a lot of people. Some people think it's boring. Some people a lot of people left the theater, dumb Jersey types were like, I heard somebody say they thought that was great. Like what? And then I punched that kid in the face. And then um some 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 possible MAGA voters were leaving the theater and they were like, What was that movie? And those are the moments where I go if you went to see that movie and couldn't gauge from the preview that it was like a dark satire and you didn't read any reviews and you're like, what was it? Why did you go see the movie? And those are the moments where I go, there's no hope for humor anymore. And that's a bipartisan issue. I just feel like it's, it's, a, shrinking, it's a shrinking group of people who can get humor. And I realized watching my special, it tied all back to me, of course. Watching my latest cut of my special, there's a lot of references in it. Not in like an alt comic, like, everybody read the comic book, uh, Red Weasel? Remember in issue 33, that was like him. No, it was, but it's heavy on, I hope you've watched movies, listened to music, and read books, and maybe even went to law school. There's going to be, I mean, it's, but it's, uh, it gives me, you know, I just, I hope my fans like it and I hope I can grow the fan base, but it feels like, man, the menu, I just, I felt contempt for the people who, I, I didn't feel angry at the people who were leaving going, I don't get that. I was like, it just, it just, it just like v validated my f opinions on entertainment today. And on that note, I'm glad I just remembered because I didn't make a note on this. Speaking of entertainment that people think is good that is actually dog shit, let's revisit Yellowstone, shall we? Because it had its season five premiere and the Atlantic magazine has an article on Taylor Sheridan and Yellowstone this month, referring to it as the most popular TV show on uh, well, on TV, the most popular show on television. Um, I watched two seasons of Yellowstone and I discussed it on this podcast and I was disgusted while discussing it, bars, because it is garbage it's fucking garbage that show it's like sons of anarchy on horses but if you eliminate like the couple of roles and seasons of sons of anarchy that were watchable um i, I gave it two seasons now i know they just started season five but i am appalled and stunned simultaneously at the amount of people and the variety of people that are like oh my god yellowstone's so good and here's here's what i put on facebook describing yellowstone and this is, of course, I'm projecting a little bit with my frustrations with comedy. But I said, the key, Taylor Sheridan actually was on Sons of Anarchy. He was like a cop on Sons of Anarchy. He was an actor. Very jacked dude, by the way. And he was a cop. And he gets like, I had this feeling that he had like beef with Sons of Anarchy because he gets written off the show. He just gets like in the middle of like a fight. He just gets like run over by a car and there's no funeral for his care. He was just gone. Now, maybe he just said to them, I need to leave the show. Or maybe they were like, fuck you, get off our show. But it was the most odd for a character that had been on the show, I think, two seasons. It was a very bizarre, like, exit for a character. 
But then he comes out and writes Sicario, great movie, own it. Then he writes, in my opinion, his masterpiece, uh, my number one movie of that year, if it was 2016 or 2015, I forget exactly the year, maybe 2014, Hell or High Water. Incredible movie. Um, I know Mahershali uh, won for Moonlight. Uh, I don't care. Uh, I don't even know why he was nominated for that. They needed to nominate somebody. He wouldn't have even been like in my top two people nominated from that movie. But Jeff Bridges, I know he had already won. But man, oh man, he should have won for Best Supporting Actor in Hell or High Water. But I love that movie. Incredibly great movie. And then he follows that up with Wind River, which was a very like low profile box office failure. Like Sicario did well. Um, Hell or High Water, despite being a Best Picture nominee, did not do well at the box office. And Wind River like barely made a blip. Um, and he was three for three. I own the, all three of those movies. He was three for three. Three great movies sort of covering different aspects of like kind of the, the the Western frontier in America. And so when he does those, and then he comes out with Yellowstone, I go, this dude's got a show? Oh my God, I gotta watch this. So I remember I taped, before season three premiered a couple of years ago, I did like, they had a marathon on the Paramount channel. And I recorded all the episodes and started watching it wasn't thrilled but i said you know what i got two seasons here let me just get through these 20 whatever it was 20 episodes so i'm caught up and then i'll decide then if i want to if i want to stick with it and i described this on a previous episode i don't know what the title of the episode was you'd have to just go scroll on Pod podomatic to see like a description like a year or two ago of yellowstone in the in the in the show notes but i just watched this show and was like this show kind of sucks. It's, and then I realized I phrased it the way I phrased it. Looking at his career, he made three great movies, two of which bombed. Then he made that Angelina Jolie movie, and I thought, oh no, I, I, has he lost his touch? Has Yellowstone like corrupted his skills? Because I hated that Angelina Jolie fire movie. That fucking that was terrible. That was like a pandemic. Twenty twenty went straight to HBO Max. It was going to be a theatrical release, but it went to HBO Max right away. And I was excited for that because I was like, hey, just because I didn't like fucking Yellowstone doesn't mean shit. Like, you can you can have a fuck up. Like, you're three for three on movies as far as I'm concerned. And I hated that movie. But Yellowstone, you look at his movies that failed. And then you look at, like, his biggest career success is Yellowstone. Just this, like, exaggerated alpha, like, just telling people oh this is it's it's just like for for men and women to be like ah oh, this is this is real life these are real men and women and they're they're like cartoon characters and i fucking hated it and i i summed it up this way and this is a little bit of projection of course but i said taylor sheridan proves something he proves that in america don't make great art make bad art that average people confused for great that they think is great because it's got like indicia of greatness or grittiness or authenticity so that like you just want to think it's it's like oh yeah oh yellowstone's so great yellowstone's terrible it and 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 the thing is i don't nobody has given me information like oh no the first two seasons were kind of like getting their footing but then it really gets good nobody's given me that kind of excuse the, everybody who likes it thinks it was like from from jump 
you know, fucking Sopranos meets Breaking Bad meets fucking Donkey Show in Mexico or whatever. It was, it's so bad. Like, it's not so, okay, let me get, okay, what I'm saying right now is it's obviously got a, a big cast. It's got money behind it. It's it's a big production. It's an expensive show. So it's not like you're watching somebody's fucking shitty home movie. But for prestige drama, it's garbage. It's Sons of Anarchy level. And Sons of Anarchy, I basically just, I hate watched the final five seasons. I know, not a good usage of my life or time. But it was interesting enough to me. And But by the end, it was so, I just kind of watched it to make fun of it. I actually made a sketch on YouTube, if you look it up, called... Um, what was it? FX presents like show for tough guys who like to say shit a lot because they wouldn't say the F word on FX at the time. So they just use shit way too much. So they were like, get the shit out of here, you piece of shit. I'll mother shit you, you mother shitter. I will shit your shit up. Um, so that was the gist of that sketch. Uh, I liked it. Um, it was just a basic straight up mockery of, of Sons of Anarchy. But Yellowstone, I'm just I'm stunned. Like, I'm stunned that it's like, oh, my God, you've got to watch. Like, when I, I'm just like, no, it's not good. And I'm not saying that. Like, you got to understand, my credibility here is that I am a major Taylor Sheridan fan. Like, I'm a, I'm a Sicario, Hell or High Water, Wind River, own all three, saw, like, you know, saw Wind River, like, opening weekend in the box office when it was only out for, like, a week and a half. So... I wanted to like Yellowstone. Are you kidding me? I I was like, in, I was like, yeah. Let me take the. I watched two seasons of it in like three weeks to catch up, and by the end of it, I was like, yeah. I gave it one season, didn't like it, but said okay. Sometimes a show it doesn't know where it's going because it's uncertain. But now that it's a hit, maybe they found their footing. And then season two was just an absurdity. The one scene I talked about was when the hot sister, who's like kind of like, like almost like what a Republican white dude would want the perfect woman to be. It's like, she's super hot. She gets drunk all the time. She's got issues, but she's tough. She loves to fuck. She'll walk around naked because she doesn't give a fuck. But like, yeah, I pretend to dig her badassness, but it's just because she's hot. So anything she would do, I'd be cool with. And then in one scene, in late in season two, she's getting raped. Sorry to be blunt. Not that that's, you know, hey, that happens. That's, you want to be gritty? That's great. It was her response, which was like spitting in the face, like talking shit to the rapist. Like, like nothing can traumatize her. Nothing can damage her. It was just, she's like, that all you got? You and I was like, um, part of me feels that this is not so much an authentic uh, reaction to being raped, but more of a uh, Taylor Sheridan bro fantasy of a badass woman and this is how a badass woman would be she won't even go to the cops because she doesn't believe in cancel culture <laughs> that's that's how i would redo yellowstone like sure did that guy beat the shit out of her and sexually assault her yeah but did she go to the cops for a dna test like some fauci loving freak no because she don't do cancel culture and she don't do liberal science. She's hot red-headed fuck up on Yellowstone. Now that's not the theme song for Yellowstone, but it felt like it. It felt like 
the theme song for Yellowstone. So that's it for this week. I'm going to put this up Sunday. Have a happy Sunday. Let's start Thanksgiving week off right. You know, for Half Black Friday, you can join my Patreon or buy yourself some albums. Or yes, definitely get, get a friend or a loved one a cameo. From this Monday through Wednesday, they're doing a 20% discount on cameos. But the catch is it doesn't come out of my end. They do this like once a year where they do a discount, but usually discounts affect what what portion I get. But this is actually all coming out of Cameo's portion. So Cameo's are 20% off until Wednesday night this week. If you've got a Thanksgiving message or a birthday message or an early holiday message you want to send, no better place. You can request whatever impression you want and I have, you know, about 1,800 satisfied customers who know that I deliver the goods. So, um, yeah. So thanks for listening as always. Um, hope to see some of you or any of you at Syracuse or any shows coming up. And, uh, you know, just keep, keep, keep tuning in. And uh, I hope to have uh, great news on the special and more gigs, um, you know, in, in episodes to come. So thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Happy Thanksgiving. And I will see you next Tuesday.